I'm Linda Van Falkenberg. And I'm Ron Gore. And, and you're listening, listening to, to the, the Co Parent Academy, Academy Podcast. Podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This week we are going to talk about um, the problem, the perennial problem, second verse, same as the first. Moms and dads arguing about helping kids with homework. And uh, in this particular context of the Reddit post that we're going to be discussing, they were talking about it uh, in terms of e-learning. But Linda, this is something that isn't just e-learning. We've seen this for years before COVID and e-learning was a thing. Yes, probably it's just been expanded to more people, but I can't remember a time that it wasn't an issue with somebody in the Tulsa area. We have a lot of homeschoolers and we have had for a very long time. I know I was at a psychiatric conference in San Diego many years ago, probably at least 20 years ago. And a lady from Austria was next to me at a dinner thing we were doing. And she saw Tulsa, Oklahoma on my name tag. And she said, Oklahoma. Oh, that's the place where they homeschool most children. Interesting. I was very surprised that that's what popped up in her Rolodex about Oklahoma. Uh, And Rolodex, for those who don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised you know. That's where we put our contacts before the computer. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So funny. Yeah, you know, interestingly, uh, when I lived in Virginia— um, we didn't homeschool, but I was a guardian in a lot of them in Virginia as well before I moved to Oklahoma. And there, homeschooling was also an issue. And you had to apply to be able to homeschool. You had to have the curriculum in place. You had to put a packet together and it had to be approved by the school. Whereas by in the Oklahoma. School district? Uh, as I, if I recall correctly. Well, yeah, okay. I believe so. Yeah, by the school district. Or maybe the maybe the Commonwealth level government had something, um, State Department or something. I would think. Right, but in Oklahoma, it's part of the Constitution that right. you have the right to homeschool your children. So right. a very different approach, a very different level. You had to prove that you were academically capable in Virginia of, of homeschooling. And well, in Oklahoma, very frequently it follows certain church groups right? and there will be a lot of support and um, the curriculum may come from uh, the church group itself, or you may have some uh, co-op kinds of activities, even sports that are done through the church. Yeah. When uh, Rebecca and I first moved to Oklahoma, uh, Aiden was, uh, I think seven or eight. And we homeschooled him for the first year while we were trying to figure out where we were going to live. And we were staying at her parents' ranch kind of out in the country. 
and uh, we participated in a homeschool co-op that had a band and go. athletics and all sorts of things. It was a very well-structured right. thing. Yes. And uh, I can remember the songs that they used to learn things like in my brain and I can't right. get them out. It's That's why uh, that works. Exactly. No doubt. Okay. So let's take a look at this person's post. Um, she says that the seven-year-old lives primarily with her and has every other weekend at dad's house. And during COVID, she was able to move to working remotely. And she did that to supervise her child's e-learning. Um, it was a, a priority for her. But it's put a strain on her relationship with her daughter, she says. And this is a, a younger child, I perceive. Right. And it put a strain on the relationship because dad really doesn't want anything to do with homeschooling, with the remote schooling. And uh, that makes her in the position of mean mom, constantly telling the child to get her work done, reminding her to finish her the assignments and all of that. And then she goes to dad's house for the weekend and it's all fun and games, no school, no stress, just fun. At mom's house, the child's throwing fits, acting out, telling her she wants to go to dad's because it's boring at mom's. And she just feels like she's losing her relationship with her daughter. Uh, she said, I don't feel like I have the same little girl anymore. So this is tale as old as time <laughs> in terms of the parenting. So what's your response to this, Linda? Especially, I thought it was interesting. She feels like she doesn't have the same little girl anymore. I thought that was an interesting comment. Yes, that did tell you a lot. I would imagine, even though she didn't say the actual age, but I would imagine it was an elementary age child. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Yes, and I would say that, you know, it's not just dads who don't necessarily want anything to do with homeschooling or schooling in general. I think we heard probably more than we ever have about that kind of feeling from parents during the early COVID days into the first year as far as, wow, this used to be something they went to school and did. And I picked them up at the end of the day. It might help a little bit with homework, but I wasn't in charge of the whole process. Right. So it's really, I hope, as an old teacher talking here, I hope it's given more parents, many more parents, um, a much higher respect for the professionals who are educating the children at school, and even for the parents who are trying to teach their children at home as homeschool teachers. Yeah, it certainly was. It did provide insight because I remember uh, during COVID hearing Aiden on some of his classes, and you could tell the difference in teachers. Some teachers were actively engaging with the students and doing the work, and some teachers were just goofing around, and um, you saw all sorts of different uh, teaching styles, let's say. Exactly. But you Even could the definitely... teachers were really thrown with how to oh, do yeah. it and what to do. Yeah, but you could definitely tell that the teachers who were, were all about it, who were doing the work and 
educating the kids, you could see what it takes to get that job done when you're doing it right. And it's very similar to, you know, since COVID, I started doing, as most therapists did, and doctors, uh, work online. Mm -hmm. And I pretty much bucked it coming and going until I really did it enough hours that I felt comfortable with the process, uh, all the flaws in the system and what I could do to combat that or rescue the session from that or whatever. You know, I quit being afraid of it and embraced the ways that it was better and decided not to go back to an office setting because of that. But I know many people that greatly prefer to keep doing it the way they'd always done it and have an office. And I think it has a lot to do with your personality and how it best fits for you. And many times the parent at home, mother or father, isn't the right personality match to do it or just would not enjoy it. And so, you know, my thing with that is please don't do that to yourself or your children if that's the case. In this case, mom seems like she's definitely all about it. She's dedicated to the idea of making sure her daughter gets educated and dad isn't. Um, And there may be lots of reasons for this. Um, You know, maybe dad really doesn't care. If so, he's a jerk and not doing a good job as a dad. But it may be, and we don't have a lot of the demographic information here to know, you know, maybe dad doesn't feel confident in teaching her. Uh, Maybe dad doesn't feel like he understands how to do the education uh, without being overly bearing, you know, overbearing on her. You know, he doesn't have a soft touch for how to get her to sit down and listen. And those are skills that he should definitely learn. And maybe he's not vulnerable enough to express his concern and get help from mom and how to do it better. That's one of the things that I think I've seen from time to time. That's a huge, oh gosh, to, to show that vulnerability to your wife, I think even in general about education, but much less to your ex is really asking a lot, but I have seen, quite a few children through the years who had some sort of learning disability or deficit. And then those fathers also frequently saying, well, I was just like him or her in school. And they would not know how to teach or assist their child, they feel like, in their educational process because they had those issues themselves. And I try to empower those parents when they say that to show them that they can be one of the best teachers of their children by knowing how difficult certain things were for them and what did or did not work with them 
in elementary school or junior high. Right. And and before we get emails saying that we're anti-dad here, this can go both ways. We've seen yes. moms in the same sort of predicament where they don't know how to do it and they don't feel comfortable and they're not participating. Right. Um, if, if this were my client, um, if I had the mom as the client, I would say don't assume that it's coming from a bad place. Don't assume that he's trying to hurt your parenting time or that he doesn't care. Let's go first to the idea of reaching out to see how you can involve him better and if he's open right. to it in a non-judgmental way. And if I were dad's attorney and I got the report that he wasn't participating, I would ask him why he's not, if his child's education matters to him, and if so, how he can participate more. And I would encourage him to reach out because he's going to have one of two, generally one of two circumstances here. It's either going to come up in some context that he's not participating in the child's education and it's going to be a negative with the court or maybe three ways. Or it could come out that he wasn't confident. He reached out for help and mom slapped him down and made him feel less than. Or he reaches out to mom and she helps him, you know, provides some sort of insight or some assistance or something to help him feel better about what he's doing. And then he actually participates, which would be a great return on investment for mom. And all those things can be proven usually through emails back and forth. Right. Right. To have that conversation. I think so much of these conflicts that we see come from um, assumptions being made about the intentions of the other person. And typically, honestly, if you're at the point where you're separated and it wasn't because one person was just a nasty, abusive person, if it, if the family just broke apart, oftentimes from my experience, one of the ways that happened was the couple started making assumptions about how each other were feeling instead of asking questions about how they're feeling. And it just carries over into this kind of circumstance as well. Definitely. And then another issue I've seen many times is the parent who may not have wanted, it's just something here in Oklahoma that is frequently contested that one parent wants the children to be homeschooled or continue to be post-separation, and the other parent maybe has never wanted them to be homeschooled, but really didn't bucket while they were married, but now thinks the children should not be homeschooled. And frequently, they see that as an enmeshment with that homeschooling parent. And now they want the kid to be enrolled in public school. Yeah, that's such an interesting point you bring up, because Uh, In Oklahoma, like I mentioned, homeschooling is a constitutional right, but really, practically speaking, it's a privilege because not everyone has the finances to be able to afford to keep someone at home to homeschool the children. And when you separate, you're increasing the expenses and decreasing the available capital. And so even though it's your right, sometimes you can't afford to exercise your right. Right. And that's where a lot of conflict comes into place and people not wanting to make those transitions. 
Um, or in quite a few cases, I see the person homeschooling is also running their own business from home right. and has been even pre-COVID. Right. So, yeah, in that case, they may have the ability to right. do both. More power to them. That's wonderful if right. they can do that and get the socialization through some of these co-ops and, right. and those other things. So I'll, I'll tell you, I'll go first and tell you sort of my view on how parents should work out this kind of uh, distributed learning. If you have this situation where dad's every other weekend and mom has the child primarily, then I think in, a, in the best case scenario, the parents would work together to look ahead at the child's schedule in terms of assignments and tests and things like that, uh, projects, dioramas, <laughs> you know, the, the dreaded diorama, <laughs> and, um, and map those out to say, okay, you know, this is due then, and here's the parenting time between now and then, and I'll take this portion and you take that portion and distribute it out. Um, I've seen cases where the weekend parent says, I'm, I'm just, I'm the weekend parent. You wanted primary custody. This comes with primary custody. You do it. And I've seen the case where the primary custodian says, I'm going to save up all of the projects I don't want to do and let you know on Friday afternoon that they're due on Monday and you get to spend your weekend doing the projects. I don't, neither one of those are in the kid's best interest. Right. Right. Mapping it out so that the child can have bite-sized chunks of the work to do over time is the best way to teach them how to learn to do these things themselves and also make them not hate the educational experience. And then there's another huge component that gets in the way of all that, as wonderful as it sounds and should be. <laughs> right. That's the child that doesn't tell you until nine o'clock <laughs> right. at night that something like a diorama is right. due tomorrow. Right. Yeah. That's, um, and I had that child. <laughs> <laughs> I thought since you hadn't mentioned it, you probably didn't have that child. <laughs> no, we had that child. Um, but we also had, uh, Rebecca who took primary yes. responsibility for knowing in advance. And she's the type of parent who, um, would find out from Aiden, quote unquote, that it was due, but she had already gotten everything that was necessary to get it done because she already knew it was there and she was just waiting or, to see when he was going to tell her. <laughs> or she practically has Hobby Lobby at your house. That's so correct. That, that came is in real handy as well. That is 100% correct. Since she is an artist, she has those supplies. Yes, that is true. You know, and it also comes down when you're studying for things. You know, you and I were talking before about the value of iterative learning, you know, to not cram for the test, to learn a little bit here, a little bit there, and to be able to intersperse other things between the, the learning sessions. And it's great for parents to have different approaches to things. Like I was giving an example that I've used a lot with fathers and kids that maybe there's a basketball goal at father's house in the driveway and you can study for 10 minutes and take the kid out and shoot hoops for 10 minutes. So it comes back right. in and the kid's all fresh and ready to do the next 10 minutes of study for that test. And 
their perception that they take away from that is they had a good time. They got to play basketball with dad. Not that he made a study, you know, so you can make anything very palatable, you know, it's, it's fun and can be very engaging, whether you're reading, whether you're doing math, you know, during the summer, you can continue to practice uh, math skills, um, any of their writing or spelling kinds of skills through writing with sidewalk talk on on the sidewalk. You know, it's there's a lot of fun things and fun ways you can go about things. Yeah. And then I don't know why this popped into my head, but it's also helpful to get on the same page about um, when you allow your child to actually fail. So Rebecca and I had conversations when Aiden was in elementary school, you know, when things were not um, foundational. So things that weren't going to build and be built upon, but were one off, you know, dioramas or projects or whatever. Um, Sometimes I found it to be helpful to allow him to fail, especially when it wasn't going to hurt. It's not like he's not going to get in college because he failed the diorama project in fourth grade, but he was going to get in trouble at home and have a consequence. And so rather than writing to the rescue, sometimes if the parents can work together in advance and say, Hey, yep. They told me about this last night. It's not going to get done. We're on the same page. It's not going to get done. And we're going to have a consequence at both households so that they can learn the lesson now on something that's inconsequential. Yes. And I will say that many times fathers do tell me that they feel very left out of that real parenting lesson kind of component. So I love that if, if people could be encouraged to have joint consequences and lessons taught at both houses. So there's not a good guy and a bad guy. Precisely. Right. Okay. Well, we wish this mom luck with the uh, volcano that she has to make and the diorama and the poster board (laughs) or whatever else, all the other projects, the flashcards. And hopefully, Keep dad will... board in the closet. <laughs> right. Yeah, and hopefully, dad becomes more engaged. But one of our principles in the co-parent academy is that it is your responsibility to help make your co-parent the best parent they can be. And this is an example of where maybe there's something that mom just doesn't quite get about why dad is taking this position. Right. If she might ask him, hopefully, she may ask some questions that could actually help provide better educational support for their daughter and help bring both she and her uh, ex closer together by bonding over the situation and learning a little bit more about each other and helping him feel like if he's vulnerable, he doesn't get slapped down. He gets some help. This would be an example of that. Yeah. And I would like to see each of the parents be able to use their strengths to add to their child's education. I love it when a child tells me, because I do ask all the time, who helps you with homework or the the parenting at home? And I love it when a child says, well, my dad is really great at English or 
writing or whatever. And so he helps with those areas. Mother's really great at math and science. So she helps with those areas. You know, it's, it's wonderful if they realize that they have combined strengths from both parents. Right. Exactly. Yep. Couldn't say it better. So let's send on that. (laughs) All right. All right, everybody. Have a great week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to leave questions, comments, or concerns, please email podcast at coparentacademy.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen.